Neighborhood Church. To find out more about who we are, go to neighborhoodchurchmn.org. Enjoy the message. Um, I was just telling Nikki that I, I am not made to bend down anymore. I am, I can't, anytime I do it, I stand up. I'm like, yeah, I think I'm going to die. So, and actually it fits in my message kind of, right? So um, we are continuing our series called On Earth. Because um, when Jesus prompted to like, hey, Jesus, what's this whole prayer shtick? And Jesus goes out and does the Lord's Prayer. Um, and in the middle of it, it says, um, uh, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So Jesus is saying, whatever you think about heaven, right, whatever you think you need to escape this life or this world from and to go somewhere, wherever you think is going to be holy or sacred or beautiful or strong and all those things, he's like a big fan of that, but why don't we also do that here, which this is a, um, a radical prayer. Because Jesus is saying, why not just, like, wait for it, right? Instead of just trying not to die, what if we actually start living and actually help other people experience the kingdom of God, experience heaven now? Because, I don't know if you looked outside, there's nothing but opportunities to make this world a better, more liberated, more free, uh, flourishing place. And Jesus would do that through healings, like through the works. And he'd heal people, and people would, like, would clap and like, that's a good one, Jesus. But some of the most sacred work that he, would, he did was um, noticing people, right? He just noticed people. But then Jesus also demonstrated what heaven on earth should be through these weird stories we call parables. We've gone through a couple 13, 14. You can go back on, um, I, where do you even find our messages? On our website. Have you guys heard of our website? NeighborhoodChurchMN.org. No big deal. Um, so if you want to go back, you can listen to them. Uh, today, we're talking about, imagine this, uh, prayer and how beautiful and awkward it can be. I met, yeah, you should laugh because it is, it's weird, right? Like, sometimes it's like, ah, oh, prayer. You know, pr- like you really believe in prayer um, when you have something like critical happen to you, right? You, uh, people say God lives at the end of your rope. All of a sudden, you're saying all the prayers that you're like, I don't know if I really believe that. All of a sudden, you're like, yes, I do. Here we go. Prayer Jabez coming back, right? So um, you guys remember that, the prayer of Jabez? Am I saying that right? Jabez? Jabes? Jabes. Jabes. We're in a good, we got a a good flow, Jabes and I. So um, what am I talking? Oh, so I, there's a person who's been following our service online. They've heard about, like, our values and we finally had a chance to um, hang out. We're getting coffee. And and if I see anyone just sitting by themselves, I'm like, hey, are you Joe Big of Donuts? And they're like, please don't talk to me ever again. <laughs> okay, my bad. Um, and we, we're, we're talking, and right away they um, – I'm like, hey, how are you doing? You know, what do you do for work? Blah, blah, blah. And they're like, yeah, like, great. Um, I don't know if I can believe in the Bible anymore. I'm like, oh, okay, this is how we're starting. And they're like, it has, like, sexual assault. It has genocide. It has murder. There's, like, tips on how to be a good slave owner. And then right after that, there's tips of how to be a really good slave. Uh, I don't know if I can do that anymore. I'm like, okay, just listen. And they're like, uh, I'm sorry. This is really intense. I'm a little extra. 
I don't have anywhere to talk about these things. And they compared themselves to being um, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, the island of misfit toys, right? They're like, anywhere I've in my space, they belong um, to another church. They have some, like, small groups. And they're like, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills because anytime I bring something up, people just look at me like, hey, don't touch you. I'm like, wow, guess what? You're an outstanding company, right? There's so many people who feel like they're on that island, right? They feel isolated. They don't know what to do. Um, and there's so many people who want to have these conversations. We don't have to have all the same. We shouldn't have all of these same answers. That'd be a boring world, right? But we should be able to move together towards this divine love. And they start crying. And um, later on the story, <laughs> later on talking, um, they're like, I, I don't know about this whole prayer thing, right? It's prayer. Like, people at, at small group ask me to pray. And I know how to throw some words together to get a couple of amens, hallelujahs. And I'm like, okay, like what? They're like, Father, we pray for a hedge of protection. And I was not ready for it. I Exactly. You, you get it, Rebecca. Like, I almost spit my coffee out um, because it's true. There's some words or tones we take when we pray, right, uh, that we just change. Like, or you can be like, hey, man, how you doing? All of a sudden, we're like, Lord, bring the blood, right? And you're like, why the blood? Where's the blood? I don't want blood at the coffee table. Like, so um, why do we do that, right? We, um, I used to do that because um, it made me belong. It made me fit. It made me accepted. I looked like a good prayer. I don't be a bad prayer. I want to be one of the good prayers. Um, and so I would do that. And we do this everywhere. And that's not, this is not uh, knocking down on people doing that. We do that everywhere we go. Any kind of community or friendship or family system, there's symbols, language, um, a way, things you laugh at, things you talk about, things you don't talk about, right? It's how you, what time you get up to get the food and when to sit down. Uh, we all, and we fall in line because we want to have a sense of belonging. And we can do that with prayer. And then this person looked at me and says, if that's all it is, then why do we pray? I'm like, that is a great question. That would be actually a really good thing to talk about. And lucky for us, Jesus gives us this really weird parable of what prayer is. Because who here considers himself a good prayer? Raise your hand if you identify as a good prayer. See, this is why we're friends. Right? Rebecca's like, right there, anything good, I am. <laughs> Just, okay. All right, yes, you too, man, in the back, yes, all right? Um, I, I remember having, uh, I remember, I've had multiple conversations with people. I'm like, hey, would you ever consider, like, praying? And right away, it's almost like I said, hey, do you mind if I chew your finger off right now? Just like, around, put it in my mouth, I'm going to bite it off, right? And there's way more of those people who are like, I'm a bad prayer, than it is the people who are like, I'm really good at praying. Uh, regardless if that's, like, by yourself, if that is publicly, if you're praying for people, and why? Because just feels weird, right? It's this vulnerable, intimate thing, but then you kind of feel like you're being judged. But then there's like those moments where prayer is like so liberating, and it's so freeing. Like, oh man, I wasn't going to tell this story. There was a time in my life when I was a youth pastor where I would get students together, and we'd go into like Walmart, and we'd get, <laughs> Jamie, you're going to love this story. Uh, Jamie and I are going to do it after too. And you go, We'd go around to places, or, and we would, like, go up to someone, and we'd feel like, oh, I feel like maybe God's telling me to go pray for Denny, right? And I don't know Denny at all, so four teenagers and me would walk up to this guy in the aisle in, like, the, the pet food section at Walmart, and we're like, hey, is there anything we could pray for you about? And if you think about it, like, you're kind of, like, surrounded in an aisle, and a stranger is asking just to pray for you, right? It's, <laughs> Jamie, see, Jamie, we're going to do it. And... 
and I can I the reason I brought it up in like like life giving times, there was like some I can remember one moment this lady started bawling and she goes, I feel so alone. I don't know what to do. This makes me feel loved. That kind of stuff. That's like, yeah. If it was like that every time, I would live at Walmart and pray for people, right? There's way more times where people are like, no, don't look me in the eyes, all right? <laughs> and I, you know what? It's funny. I'm one of those people now, right? If a stranger or people walked up to me and said, hey, I feel like God wants me to pray for you, I'm like, funny, God didn't tell me. See you later, all right? <laughs> yeah. So I'm happy for you. That's wonderful. I'm really happy that God talks to you. Um, uh, so, like, we could have all these, like, um, weird, odd, but also beautiful. And prayer is essential. I really believe it's, it's like a, it is a critical part of any world religion or spirituality. It has different words, different um, processes, but there's something deeply intimate about connecting in some weird way with this uh, divine, good, and beautiful God. So, Jesus talks a little bit about prayer um, and has this weird parable in Luke chapter 11. And right before this, we're starting in verse 5, but right before this, um, the disciples asked Jesus about prayer, right? In different Gospels, there's different um, uh, interpretations, different words. In this one, Jesus only uses like 32 words. In the other version, Jesus uses like, uh, I think it's 58 or 62 words about what the Lord's Prayer is. So there's like different versions of the Lord's Prayer. But that's not the point. The point is that the Lord's Prayer is incredibly short. It's really simple. And why? Because uh, what they're asking for is like, hey, we were taught this way of praying, this way of even thinking about connecting with God, and it was beautiful, but it was more elaborate. There was things that you'd kind of do or you'd say, and, um, and it would kind of like get you to this place of where then you're at a place of where you could connect with God or whatever it is that you are praying for. And Jesus says, I'm happy for you. That's great. Um, I'm going to give you something so nuanced, so mystical, and so short, right? The only thing in the Lord's Prayer that he asks, uh, that Jesus asks us to do is to forgive. And you can't quantify forgiveness, right? My mom would force my brother and I to forgive each other when we were kids. And she's like, you will forgive your brother right now. And we're like, never. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but you can't prove, I can't prove to my mom, say, yeah, I forgave my brother. Of course I'm lying so we can wrap this whole thing up, right? So this whole, the whole, even Jesus, what he's saying about praying, it's like, to, can you trust that this loaf of bread today might be enough? Can you, like, not, uh, like, um, can you forgive other people, pray that heaven would happen now? It's, like, how do you prove that, right? So Jesus does the Lord's Prayer, and he's like, ah, this doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, so let me tell you an incredibly odd story. This is how Jesus explains what the Lord's Prayer is, right? I want to give you the context, because it's, when you think about it this way, if you're sitting there like, Jesus, are you, are you having a seizure? What's going on? <laughs> are you okay, Jesus? This is what he says. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed, and I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. That's Jesus talking about prayer, right? That's the follow-up to the Lord's Prayer. Now, I've heard this um, passage in 
um, prayer. I, I used to go to prayer conferences, right? I've heard this passage in books talking about prayer. I've heard messages on prayer. And at face value, like what I was um, told is like, we have to be like the man at the door, right? It's usually men giving this message. We got we to gotta be soldiers for lords. And we got to like knock on the door, right? And knock, knock, knock. And you keep battling and battling and battling. And you have to like be bold in your faith. You have to be clear of what it is that you want. And if you do that and you are persistent in your knocking, then the Lord will give you the bread, right? Anyone else heard that message before, right? And I think it's, it's, it's good. I think it's really important when you're praying to be persistent. I think it's, there's no downside to getting clear of what it is that you want, right? And I think it's something about having this bold faith. I don't know how you, again, describe what that is. I don't know how you can prove it. But there's still something like there's the idea of having a bold faith sounds good. It feels good. And so they would say if you are not getting that blessing from God, if you want that bread uh, and you're not getting it, well, Chris, then you must have some sort of hidden sin in your life. You must have some generational sin that you have to break those family ties off of. And maybe, Chris, you, you just aren't asking really hard enough. Maybe you don't want it bad enough, right? It's like, okay, and I, that, that, that could be really positive for a lot of people. But the way I think about God, like we call it theology, it has to play all the way out for me. And the thing I like about this is that that is a journey. That's not just, oh, I'm going to make a decision about who God is, done, right? That is going to be sharing life with other people and letting it play out and thinking and reading and going like, oh, I think this way, maybe I think this way, because I think that is the whole idea. We're on this good and beautiful journey on this good and beautiful God. Um, but if that's true, if we just have to be just persistent and clear and want it bad enough, you could say that to me, thinking about, hey, I'm kind of anxious today, and I would like to not be anxious today, and so God help me not be anxious today. I'm still anxious. Well, I must need to keep praying longer and longer and longer and longer. You could say that to me, but say that to a parent whose kid is diagnosed with leukemia, right? You could look at me and say, hey, Chris, like, hey, just, you know, you must be, you need to go to your prayer closet for like another 20 minutes, right? You got to get really clear what it is that you want. You have to have more faith. You think that parent, right, is not persistent? You think that their knuckles aren't like bloody and bare from begging God to heal their kid? Do you think they're not bold in their faith? And asking, God, take my life instead of theirs, right? Like, when, when, you, when you think about it like that, it changes how you think about prayer. Because J- Jesus is not just giving us, hey, here's some, like, rules, or here's, like, a model, and if you get it, great. I remember one pastor, um, I probably shouldn't say his name. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's wise. Thank you, Lethia. Uh, um, uh, he he'd pictured it as, like, this bowl. He's like, whatever you're asking, the blessing of God, it's like a bowl. And every time you pray, it's like a drop of water. And so the more you pray, it fills the bowl. And at some point, um, and the bigger the ask, the bigger the bowl. And then at some point, it overflows, and there's the blessing of God. And I always, at first, I thought, I'm like, wow, that's a really good way of thinking. But then later on, I'm like, that means then God is just not going to heal someone? Saying, sorry, Chris, that bowl's huge. I need a couple more drips of water in there before I'm willing to come down there and help you out. Right? Is this what... Jesus is inviting us into? Like, because if it is, then we have, again, I love this term, and I use it to evoke an emotion, is then we have monster God. What kind of good and loving God would intentionally withhold love or healing or care or kindness or inclusion because you didn't want it bad enough? Because you didn't have the right words. Because you didn't have, I remember being in, bio, yes, I went to Bible college, no big deal. Uh, um, 
It makes college sound less cool. When you, <laughs> if you're like, I went to art and design college, you're like, wow, you are cool. I went to Bible college. Let's get out of here. So, um, uh, and there was this guy named, I get, he, no one knows him. There's a guy named Ricky, right? And Ricky would be like, I'm going to go pray. And he'd go into the prayer, we had a prayer room. He'd go in there for like four hours. And then I'm like, oh, man, I don't ever go in the prayer room, all right? And so I'd go into the prayer room, and I'd pray for like, I'd get like 10 minutes into it. I'm like, well, I prayed for all the things I know what to pray for. I don't know what Ricky's doing, all right? So, right? But then I just felt like I was bad. I was less than. My dad reminded me uh, just yesterday I got a D in Life of Prayer, my class on prayer. I got a D. So clearly, I have a transcript that says, you are a bad prayer. So, um, so what can we make of it? Let's, let's get out of it. What, what is Jesus talking about? Here's what Jesus is talking about. There's a guy named, let me make sure I get it right, this guy named Robert Farrar, and he wrote a book on the uh, parables, and his whole shtick is the way you read these parables is that Jesus is um, moving towards Jerusalem. He's moving towards the empire. He's moving towards the power, and he's aware that he's probably going to get executed. Why? Divine knowledge, maybe, or maybe Jesus been around and saw those who stand up against power usually get killed by the power, right? And so Jesus is aware. So everything that Jesus is talking about these parables are not some isolated thing. It's all centered around death and resurrection. Now, if you think about the parables that way, it's not Jesus saying, hey, I can give you a couple tips of how to pray, right? Because it's, it's weird, right? Like, if it's, I'm going to get there. If it's through death, I'm just trying to bring back in, right? Uh, if it's about death and resurrection, and we identify with the death and resurrection, we can read the story about this guy as a loser. Because that's what he is. Anyone who would hear the story is like, who would get up in the middle of the night, right, and announce the whole world, I'm a horrible person. Because at that time, uh, like, culturally or historically, um, you were supposed to have bread, for visitors who might be coming into town. If they came into town, you say, of course you're going to stay at my house. Of course I have bread. I'm going to feed you because that's what we do. That would be a way of showing hospitality, love, and honor. And to not have it would be a slap in the face. This guy can't think far enough ahead. This guy doesn't have, like, maybe I should have a couple, you know, loaf or two laying around just in case, you know, Joe Big Donuts shows up again. So he gets up in the middle of the night. He's walking around, and he starts yelling. He's pounding on the door. And he's letting everyone know, hey, town, listen, I'm a loser. I can't think ahead. You are all better people than me, right? You guys are, know how to be responsible, but not this guy. And this guy knows where the bread is. He's like, ah, yeah, yeah, Jerry's always got bread. Jerry's smart. Jerry, right? And I love how the sequence goes because he's knocking. He's like, hey, I don't have any bread. I need bread. You have bread, so let's get the bread to all, right? All bread lives matter. That's what I believe. So he's, he's trying to get the bread. And the guy's like, nope, the door's locked. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm here too, right? Uh, so, you know, uh, well, I'm, I'm sleeping. Okay. No, you're not. You're talking to me. I, I, I know it's sleep. Does. This is not sleep. Oh, okay, now what? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's kids here. The kids are in the bed. No, I would get the bread for you, but the kids are in the bed, right? And the, the guy has no problem letting the whole world know that he's a mess that he's a failure, right? But if you look at through the eyes of death and resurrection, this guy doesn't care, right? He just doesn't care. At the end, Jesus says, it's not out of the friendship the guy would give him the bread. It's out of the sheer audacity this guy thinks he's worth the bread, right? It's not 
I did all the right things. I prayed thing. It's waking up and saying, I deserve bread. Actually, I, I'm worth this bread. I'm worth whatever I'm looking for. I already have it, right? I can move anywhere around the world. It might look foolish. It might look stupid, right? I might look a little bit out of place, but I'm worth this love. I'm worth this inclusion. I am worth this healthy friendship. I am worth this love. And the thing that this guy, what's his name again? The thing that Robert Farrar talks about is we all want new life, right? We all want the bread. We all want the blessings of God. We all want the resurrection life. The only way you can get that is through death. We all like to think that we can make it happen, that we are strong enough, that we can manipulate the truth, that we can center our needs, our ego, and still get this new life. And Jesus is saying, yeah, it's fine for it. I'm happy for you, right? But you can't. Like, the one thing that we can all guarantee is that we are going to get older, right? Our bodies are going to change, right? If you're in your 20s and you're hearing this, you're like, yes, it's going to change. Write that one down, right? Um, You're going to get sick. And sadly... We're all going to die. But you know what we do? We spend thousands of dollars. Oh, sorry. We're all going to have really good lives, too. <laughs> um, uh, but we spend thousands of dollars to, like, get clothes to make us look like we're cooler than we really are. Right? It's true. Right? We, try, we spend thousands of dollars and energy of trying to convince people, no, I'm really cool. You should like me. Right? I'm a, you should really want to hang out with me. Right? We spend thousands of dollars on health care, right, and mental health, and we exercise, and we do burpees. No one wants to do a burpee. Why are you doing a burpee? Because you want to stay healthy, right? And you really want to just tell people you do burpees. That's why you do burpees. Um, and I'm in, and why do we do that? Because we want to have a healthy life. We don't want to get sick, and we don't want to die. I'm in the pro, not dying, not getting sick camp. But there's something, right, there's something that we've believed that when I look like this, or when I have this, I'm better, right? If you look in the mirror, right, if you're a normal human being, you probably looked in the mirror and thought, ugh, right? Right? You probably looked in the mirror and said, oh, again, this is still a thing, right? (laughs) Right? And why do we do that? We do that because we think, well, 20 years ago, or at this weight, or this muscle mass, I was, what, prettier? healthier, faster. I could actually bend down and not hurt my knees from bending down for two seconds, right? And even I, even I said that. I'm like, why is that bad? Who told me that I am less of a human? Who told me I have less worth, less value because I'm 20 pounds heavier than I was when I was 20 pounds lighter, right? I can't, I, was, I don't know when I was 20 pounds lighter. I feel like I've been this way my, my whole life. Um, but there's somewhere that they said that uh, if you move towards death or you age, then you're somehow less than it. And Jesus is saying, that's not how it works. If we identify with the death of Jesus, we say then we are giving up our ego. We're putting down all these things that the world tells us makes us good or makes us um, hip with it and wow. Instead, we can wake up in the morning and what? Have the audacity to think, this is beautiful. We have the audacity to actually believe that this good and beautiful God, right, is alive in us and saying, you already have the bread. Move around anywhere you want. Other people might say, Chris, John Wimber, who started the vineyard, said, we're all going to be fools for something. You're going to be a fool for a football team. You're going to be a fool for your kids' education. You're going to be a fool for your employment. He's like, I'm just going to be a fool for God. If we're going to be fools for, for something, I'm choosing this. And only until we can get to that death, right, 
that is when we can have new life. That's where resurrection is. So Jesus is saying this. Wake up in the morning, believe that the bread is within you. Wake up and believe that anywhere you go, that bread is already available. If that's true, right, then we don't have to have a model for prayer to get the good things. We don't have to have the bull or the monster God in order to get the good things. What we can is prayer then moves to, all right, I can have a model, but that's not what gets me the good things. I already have the good stuff. And models of prayer then are super helpful. I've gone through seasons of where I pray out loud to myself. I've gone through seasons where I read um, the psalm, uh, a psalm every single day, sometimes out loud. I've gone through seasons where I go into the woods and I scream at the void, right? All right? I go through seasons of where I listen to music or I go, I have a friend who's changed his complete mental health by downloading an app and meditates for 20 minutes a day, right? That's prayer. All of a sudden, prayer is not just this limited thing. It is this beautifully expansive thing. And what I believe what prayer does, and this is where I end, is I, if I'm praying, I got to pray for my friend. Um, because of COVID, we have not like, had time where we're going to pray for each other because touching and being really close um, is still maybe awkward for people. And it's something we've even kind of like forgot about. And I had after church a couple weeks ago, my friend's like, hey, can you pray for me? I got some stuff going on. I'm like, uh, y- yes, of course I'll pray for you. I'm a pastor. This is what I do. And it felt so, so, so good, right? And when I'm praying for him, asking God to, to bring some healing. I don't believe that God was over in Cromwell, and then Alice and I said the right words, and God's like, oh, I better, better go over there and help my, my buddy out, right? Praying then and saying, it like I'm praying for Rebecca, it is a way of me putting out in the universe the energy of, like when I'm praying about anxious, I'm saying, God, will you heal my anxiety or help me feel a little better? I'm saying, I'm not well. And I don't want that. I don't want to tolerate at this level. I don't want to stay in this place. And when I can put that out there, it's like, oh, yeah, God doesn't either. God doesn't want me to live in this place of worry and frustration, right? And so it's like, how do I move towards that? What can I do to move towards that? Prayer then is like acknowledging I have a need, but here's, and this is for another time, if you want to talk about this later, it opens up a whole different conversation of um, then why does God heal some people? I've experienced a physical healing. I can't explain it. I didn't like do any prayer Jabez or what I didn't do any of that, right? Um, but I was healed. And that's like awesome. Woohoo. And I'm reluctant to always tell that story because it's like, okay, that's awesome. But what about thousands of kids that die from hunger every year? So like God chose Chris Sodder, right? But did God not choose those people? Right? So there's this whole next level conversation about prayer, problem the evil, and all that stuff, which I would love to talk through. And we're going to eventually get there. But for the sake of time, I didn't want to all of a sudden go into process theology and all these other things. But where I leave you is this. We can be a people, we are a people of prayer. And prayer can be this beautiful, wild, expansive thing. And if it works for you to connect with God in that way, keep doing it. And if you want to try something else, there's so many resources where we can do it together. But I'm going to pray. Actually, if you don't mind, can we st- if you're able to stand, can we stand? So God, we love you. And I thank you for this um, messy, nuanced, beautiful, awkward thing of being in relation with you. 
And yes, we're going to look foolish. Yes, we're going to get some things wrong. Yes, we're going to forget the bread. (laughs) But I thank you that we can move in this world believing the audacity that we are worth that bread. That we are worth that goodness. That we are worth that liberation and that freedom and that belonging. So I pray for my friends who feel lost. Pray for my friends who are in grief. Pray for my friends who feel maybe confused. And I pray that there would be life, there would be inclusion, and that there would be a deep sense of belonging and love. And I, I also ask God, you help us just to figure out an experiment of how we can better connect with you so that we can do this whole on earth thing, that we can bring life and heaven and the kingdom of God to all the places where we find ourselves. And we love you. Amen. Well, thank you, friends, for coming to the neighborhood. If you'd like to uh, pray or you'd like to ask a question or process, I'd love to do that.